Now, Woman Jekka, the Gwitch, August Falsha, Gadi, Mixed Down Under podcast. Now, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which I'm sitting as I record this podcast, which is the Wurundjeri people. The First Nation people of Australia are the only other people who use the word deadly in the same context as the Irish, should it only deadly. Uh, now, if you like my headphones, let me see, you're going to turn these on here. There you go, flashy lights. I had to borrow my daughter's headphones because I realised my son had mine. Now, I could have borrowed his, uh, but they're a bit less eye-catching than these. I like, uh, like the flashy lights and the, the pink and purple. There, see, lighting up. They're great. Uh, now, uh, obviously, it's uh, been a while since I recorded the podcast. Uh, best laid plans with mice and men and all that. My plan was initially to have a podcast coming out every week, but, you know, organising before Christmas was probably not the best time. And working full time, having big commitments with family and things like that, I mean, I just can't put out a podcast weekly at the moment. I'd need to be able to dedicate a couple of days to prepping and organizing the podcast so I can do it properly. So for the time being, I'm just going to record podcasts and videocasts as I have the time and I have guests to come on. So we do have a couple of guests lined up uh, over the next few weeks. So we'll be getting some podcasts out and just a reminder that this podcast ideally is to serve the Irish community here in Australia. So, you know, if you have any input you want to put into the podcast, if you have any information you want to be part of it, uh, please get in touch at mixdownunder at gmail.com or get onto the Facebook page and message me on there if you have anything you want me to include or say. And now I've just been thinking, I have a question. How do you say hello in Irish? Now, I know I said Diagwitch before, I should have said Diagib to all of you, but Diagwitch, of course, means God be with you. And now, the Celts have been in Ireland for about 5,000 years. St. Patrick rocked up, I think, roughly about 1,600 years ago. Now, so how did they say hello to each other before St. Patrick introduced them? Introduced? In, I haven't been drinking, I've been drinking tea. Introduced them to the Holy Trinity in plain sight, hidden in the shamrocks. Did they just go around saying, leprechauns be with you? Anyway, these are questions I want you to think about and I want to leave with you. How do you say hello? What's the direct translation of the word hello in Irish? Right, so figure it out. Uh, now, um, my guest that I have on today is Eamon Hennessy, um, who is the owner of Book Mulligans in Northcote. He's, uh, he's an all-around gentleman. He's very patient. Not once has he asked me, where the hell is that podcast we recorded last year? So he's patiently waiting for his podcast and videocast to be released. So we should be doing that now in the next uh, few hours and getting it out there for everybody to have a look at and squeeze that and have a listen to Eamon, who's a sound man, very interesting um, and entertaining and lots of knowledge about whiskey. In particular and the history of whiskey which i was really interested and wanted to find out about a uh, little bit of housekeeping before we go into the interview with Eamon. um i want to say a thank you to siobhan dooley um from the drunken poet uh, she very kindly sponsored marty kelly to play for our christmas party for the home from home parents group christmas party which was held in the edinburgh gardens back uh, in december um i'd say last year it's only it's only a few weeks ago but it was last year so uh, thanks Siobhan and thanks Marty uh, for playing. Now she sponsored Marty for an hour but he played on and on, uh, sound man that he is. Um, for those of you who haven't been there or who want to go there and check it out, The Drunken Poet is beside Queen Vic Markets. The website is thedrunkenpoet.com.au and there's music on a lot of the time. There is a gig guide on the website uh, that has uh, lots of information on about what gigs are coming up so there's Irish music sessions there's Irish musicians playing ballads and, and so on and so forth and there's other musicians who'll be on playing there too there's even an open mic if you're interested in going along and doing a bit of poetry or singing a song or telling a few jokes whatever you want to do uh, get in touch uh, with Siobhan at The Drunken Poet uh, or go to the website drunkenpoet.com.au there's also a Facebook page as there always is uh, now, um, another Siobhan, Siobhan um, from the Celtic Club asked me to do a shout out to Alistair McMordine um, from highlandmowers.com.au um, and Alistair is looking for gardeners um, to work in his business. Um, so if you have any garden experience, if you're looking for a bit of work, get in touch. It's highlandmowers.com.au um, give Alistair a call and uh, I, I don't know if he sorted someone out in the meantime, but, you know, there's probably always some demand for, for gardeners anyway. So uh, get on to that, uh, Alistair McMordian. Now, um, so 
the podcast today, as I say, is Eamon from Book Mulligans. Um, and Eamon was introduced himself in the video on the course. So I didn't press record, so I'll do a little bit of an intro again and we'll come in halfway through, as is usual for me. Uh, Eamon is the owner, he's the main man at Book Mulligans Whiskey Bar in Northcote. Um, and it's a very low key, um, lovely, uh, tasteful frontage. So you might miss it if you're not looking out for it, but it, it is a, it's a great little bar. They have kind of uh, lovely uh, snacks to go along with the, the whiskey and the Guinness. And they do a lovely point of Guinness there too. Um, not main meals, but more stuff to accompany having a nice, quiet drink. Uh, so um, if you fancy going in there, you can also quaff some fine whiskies from Ireland, Australia, America, Japan, and dare I even say it's Scotland. So he has a great selection of whiskies in there. Um, of course, the Irish whiskey industry is really taking off again now, and there's just a massive explosion of new whiskies, whether it be uh, traditional uh, distilled Irish whiskies or pot still or single malts. There's a little bit of everything now coming out of Ireland. So Eamon uh, does whiskey tastings, and um, you'll you'll find out more, of course, as you listen to him. He's a very entertaining and interesting man. So I hope you enjoy listening to him. Um, I certainly did. And I'm looking forward to having a sneaky point and a perusal of poetry and prose whenever life grants me an opportunity to get into Book Mulligans myself. Uh, I did pay a visit to Eamon in there last month. But uh, looking forward to having an evening of just chilling out and enjoying the vibe because it's a, it's a lovely, lovely place. So without further ado, have a listen to Eamon and I'll talk to you at the end. Thanks very much. Um, so, Book Mulligans, you're turning six in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, yeah, six years old the first week of December. So, um, yeah, the whole idea, uh, I mean, you know, we've been open for six years, but you kind of have an idea for, you know, a few years before you actually get around to uh, making it happen. So, um, it's something I've wanted to do for quite a while and uh, spent a bit of time trying to find uh, a location and, um, you know, you, you apply for certain places and you're not successful and then you, you apply for, for one and uh, the one in Norcott was the one that, that we ended up um, being accepted for, which was great because it, it turned out to be like a great area to uh, open a business in. But the whole concept of Book Mulligans is a celebration of uh, Irish whiskey and um, Irish uh, literature. Uh, uh, you know, two things that I'm, you know, particularly uh, fond of. So, um, I mean, that was really the the concept was uh, was to kind of like put a bookshop into a bar. Uh, in an ideal situation, I would rather the bookshop be bigger, but it, you know, it's just uh, the nature of, of, of the building and what we had to do, you know, to deal with at the beginning. Yeah. So I suppose the concept came around from uh, I've worked in a lot of Irish venues over the, you know, uh, throughout my life, and they've always had uh, books in them, but they've always been there purely for decoration. They've usually been glued to a shelf or behind right, right. a cabinet where you can't actually, you know, you can't pick them up and look at them or anything. So it was really, uh, it was really just turning that on its head and basically having like, you know, real books in a, a venue situation that you can actually pick up and read and you can also buy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, in terms of the books themselves, do, do people, do they normally just come in and, and just flick through a book while they're having a glass of wine or a pint of Guinness or a glass of whiskey or whatever? The case uh, yeah, some people do. Uh, you, it kind of works on many different levels. You get people in on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon who are obviously out shopping and they come in for a bit of a browse and, you know, and then you'll have people who just come in uh, for a drink and might pick up something and have a look through it. Uh, and then you have people who come in there because they're actually looking for something in particular. So you have, you know, you have you kind of engage with uh, customers on a different level, you know, when, when it comes to the actual the, the book side of, of the business. Mm. And so it primarily Irish authors that you deal with? In certain uh, yeah, well, because we specialize in Irish whiskey, uh, the idea was to uh, specialize in, in Irish, uh, you know, fiction, just so that they kind of coincide. If if we had the note, we do we do have like uh, whiskey from other places. We have a small selection of uh, Australian, Japanese, Scotch, American as well. So 
I mean, originally the idea was to, was to have like a small selection of riders from those countries as well. Mm -hmm. um, but be, we're just limited by space. So, uh, so that's why we just, we kept it to like celebration of Irish whiskey and uh, Irish riders. But then we do have uh, local riders as well. So uh, the majority of our book launches tend to be with local riders or riders from Melbourne. Uh, and then, uh, like, if we do a book launch, we we will stock their books on the shelves as well. And then you do get people who, who will have uh, local people who have published novels or a collection of poetry or whatever, and they'll just pop in and say, "Would you be interested in, you know, having this on your shelves?" And uh, we're more than more than happy to help uh, local writers. So, it would be 90, 90 95 percent Irish writers and five percent local. Okay. And so then with that, you mentioned to me when we were talking before about having likes of book launches, writers nights, um, poetry nights, things like that. Are they the kind of events that you host? Yeah, most of our events are either whiskey based, whiskey related events or uh, literary events. So uh, and we usually run a series of events, usually starting in March and they usually run through to the end of November. So we have an event on the 1st of December, which is um it's called Spirit of Punk. It's an open mic night for emerging writers. And this, uh, we do this with uh, Swinburne Uni, and we usually have two or three events with them every year. So a lot of our events aren't necessarily related to Irish, um, you know, literature or Irish, you know, uh, uh, works. But um, because we are a bookshop in a bar, we, uh, 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 you know, we just attract these events where, you know, the two go hand in hand. So this is a, the spirit of punk is all about uh, uh, Swinburne University students who are doing creative writing and it gives them an opportunity to, um, you know, to uh, perform their work in public for the first time. But we have a, like we usually do events every year with the Celtic Club and we have some events on with the Irish Chamber of Commerce. And we also do stuff with, um, with Bloomsday in Melbourne, and we usually do our own uh, Bloomsday stuff around, uh, you know, well, around Bloomsday. Uh, so we do have like a number of events throughout the year, which would lend itself more to the Irish community. And then the majority of our literary events are more kind of uh, broad based. So we do events every year with Riders Victoria and uh we usually do some events with uh we've often done events with like the local darabin council as well so they'd be more uh like general literary events not necessarily uh they may or may not have an irish connection but you know and then the book launches are completely random some publishers will approach us and and then people will walk in off the street who self-publish so it's a little bit of everything you know when it comes to doing a book launch yeah Okay. Tell me, in terms of the Irish writers, then, what, would, could you have an example of what kind of writers you do have on the shelves? Uh, yeah, well, it tends to be a mixture of, uh, well, I mean, really, you can't, you can't source everything here, which, you know, which is, you know, a bit annoying. So it's a mixture of the classic stuff that you can, you know, so you get your Joyce, your Beckett, um, your Edna O'Brien, um, uh, Oscar Wilde, Yates, uh, all those writers who are, uh, you know, uh, well-established, Seamus Heaney, so uh, we can source uh, their their works and put them on the shelf. And then it's your new contemporary writers like your Sally Rooney and your Claire Keegan and your Donald Ryan. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're kind of like <clears throat> contemporary writers which have broken through, so their works are readily available over here. But, uh, like, it's very hard to get for instance, you know, uh, like a Sean O'Fallon book or a Lame O'Flaherty or uh, anybody who is uh, well established in Ireland, but not necessarily known, you know, uh, yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. So it's a bit of a, so that's why we, most, our books are a mixture of new and secondhand because I kind of search around for the old secondhand stuff that we can have that selection there available for people. And then the newer books tend to be your, your you know, your classic, um, let's say, for instance, whether it's Joyce or Yates or let's say Sally Rooney. So we will have new editions of those novels and collections of poetry for people to to buy. But if somebody wants to buy, 
a collection of, uh, let's say, Frank O'Connor short stories, it's more than likely going to be secondhand because uh, yeah. we can't, you can't, uh, unless we ship them over from Ireland, you can't get them from the publishers here in Australia. Yeah. Okay. So just on the off chance, uh, just uh, if somebody has some of those kind of authors' books at, at home and and you know wanted to bring them into you, would you buy in books like that from people? Yeah, from yeah, time to yeah, time? yeah, yeah. Like if the pe people people come in and they're, they're in good condition, we'll definitely buy them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That would be great. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Now, no people know. Yeah, no um, people know. So uh, my next interest then really is you know first and foremost you do build yourself with a whiskey bar. Um, and I, I know you mentioned that you do ha have other whiskeys like Scotch and American whiskey, yeah. Australian whiskey and, and Japanese. And um, because it, the, the history of whiskey is, is, of course, is fascinating. Um, you know, in Ireland, we know it's we call it Ishkabaha, water of life, Ishka being water. Um, and of course, whiskey, the very word is, is a bastardization of, of yeah. Ishka. Um, so it really does originate in Ireland, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we were the uh, the first written records of whiskey production are in are in Ireland. So uh, yeah, long before uh, it's been dated in, in in Scotland. So yeah, I mean we we did we did invent the spirit, I suppose. Yeah. You know, which is great. So I mean, I've been working with whiskey for quite some time, and uh, in previous uh, establishments. So. Um, so you, and at the same time, you know, you could tell that there was a kind of a resurgence in in Irish whiskey and what was happening uh, at home in Ireland. So, uh, but majority of uh, whiskey bars in Australia don't really have a large collection of Irish whiskey. They might have a couple of the classics on the bar, but uh, nobody was really. Um, was focusing on Irish whiskey, you know, as a category in itself. Uh, there was a lot of, there's a, I mean, like a, going back a few years ago now, there was a couple of Japanese whiskey bars in the city focusing on Japanese whiskey. But so my idea was then to, you know, to, uh, you know, to try and, you know, celebrate Irish whiskey and focus on Irish whiskey. Uh, uh, but you can't really do that in a vacuum. So you kind of have to have other whiskeys there as well. So like, I mean, people will want to, People who are familiar with certain scotches will want to try Irish whiskey that's kind of similar, and people will want to like try whiskeys that are different and want to compare and contrast. So it's good to have a selection there. But um, the amount of Irish whiskey that's being produced now is just, you know, just incredible. And the amount of new distilleries that have popped up over the last, even since we've been open over the last six years, is, is crazy. Uh, once again, there's a, there's 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 the issue of uh, sourcing the whiskey and and uh, supplying it um, to the Australian market because we're we're so far away. The smaller uh, independent distilleries at home either don't produce enough or don't have any any people on the ground over here in Australia. So some of these whiskies are hard, um, you know, to source. But we kind of go out of our way to to get what we can. Um, and so, and with Irish whiskies as well, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just get everything in and try it and put it on the shelf. So, um, with with the rest of our other whiskies, we're 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 obviously more selective because we've only got a small amount of space, so we'll only we'll only get certain ones in. But with Irish whiskey, we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll go out of our way to to stock everything and and have it on the shelf there for when when people come in. And so, in terms of Irish whiskey, um. You do tastings for yourself, don't you? Um, yep. From time to time, what what's what does a tasting involve? How how does that? So we we do a tasting usually uh, every second month. It usually involves a, a tasting of five or six whiskies, and uh, there's usually like a drink on arrival, which is a whiskey based cocktail, and there's some canapes and so on to go with it. But I mean, ideally, what it involves is that there'll be like the brand ambassador or the distributor. Uh, or sometimes it'll be us ourselves who will uh, guide um, the customers through the tasting and obviously you'll taste the whiskies in a certain order and we try and impact some knowledge about the whiskies and the distilleries and uh, and then like a little bit of the you know Irish history around whiskey making 
you, some of our whiskey tastings will have whiskey from around the world. So you might have two Irish, two Scottish, uh, one Japanese, one American. So you can do kind of a compare and contrast um, tasting. Um, or uh, sometimes they're just uh, all uh, different types of whiskey from Ireland. Uh, you know, so, so that you can see the variety of what's happening uh, now at home. So yeah, they're, 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 it's usually like five or six whiskeys and um, somebody to, 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 to guide you through the tasting. They usually go on for around two and a half hours. Uh, they're a lot of fun and uh, yeah, hopefully people uh, appreciate the whiskeys and get some knowledge as well. And so tell me, when, when you're tasting whiskey, what are you looking for? I mean, how do you differentiate the different types and, and the flavors that you're um, seeing? Uh, I guess when you're tasting, say, a, a variation of Irish whiskeys and then when you're comparing it to, say, Scotch or Japanese or Australian. Uh, well, there are some similarities there. I mean, there are some quite there are some similarities between Irish and um, uh, Japanese whiskies and that they tend to be uh, or well, they can be a bit lighter and they can have a bit of a dry finish uh, where your Scottish whiskey can have a bit of a, a, a longer, longer finish. So there's uh, there's different things. It depends, really, because you'll have um, like a single malt versus a blended whiskey versus a single grain and how the whiskies are finished. If they're if they're finished in a dessert wine barrel or if they're finished in like a sherry or a bourbon. So, um, yeah, there's 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 many different factors. But and then obviously you've got different, you know, you got cast strengths and and the ABV of the whiskey as well. So, I mean, Really, uh, we get a lot of regulars who come to our whiskey tasting, so they're kind of like you know, uh, keen just to experiment and, and and try new whiskeys. But for a novice, that the the I suppose the the important things are is to is to smell the whiskey and uh, and obviously to you know when you're tasting the whiskey, you, the, the idea is that you roll it around your mouth before you swallow it, and if it's a high ABV. You kind of breathe out slowly, so you're exhaling the uh, the alcohol uh, vapors, but you're still, um, you know, the, the 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 taste of the whiskey is still there wrapped around your tongue. Um, so sorry, are you breathing out through your mouth or through your nose? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when 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 you when you take a sip of whiskey, uh, if it's a, if it's just an, a normal forty percent whiskey, it's fine. But a lot of whiskeys now are like a 48-52, that could be fifty five percent. So there's a lot of uh, alcohol there. So when you when you if you just swirl a whiskey around and then and then and then and then swallow it, the, you should ex exhale slowly. So you're exhaling all the alcohol vapor out of your mouth, but leaving the taste in there. Uh, so you're kind of minimizing that that uh, a burn effect that that people uh, are not familiar with if they if they haven't you know had alcohol that that strong before. Yeah, um, there's a way to drink whiskey, isn't there? Like you don't, if you, if you knock it back the wrong way, it is going to burn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And when you when you sniff a whiskey as well, you're supposed to leave your mouth open so that all the vapors aren't going up into your nose. Too much, too much vapors go up into your nose. It can have a bit of a, you know, you know, can almost burn your senses. So you can't really smell anything. Um, but really, when it comes to taste profile, it's 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 you know. It's everything from like, you know, caramel to toffee, uh, you know, to fudge to, you know, um, band-aids, seaweed, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, medicinal, medicinal, um, you know, smells and flavors like a, like a hospital, like if you're having something like really, like a really smoky peaty whiskey. So, I mean, like, and it's, you know, I'll, some of some of our some of our what you call it uh, brand ambassadors who are describing whiskey go into all these kind of like you know different you know notes of you know honeycomb and notes of you know chard you know whatever it might be you know charcoal and all that type of stuff but I mean at the end of the day none of that really really matters and you know I uh, you know you just it either tastes good or it doesn't taste good, you know what I mean? So um, you do, you, you will get like, you, you will get a clear difference in flavor from a whiskey that's aged in bourbon to a whiskey that's aged in port. 
or uh, you will get a clear difference in, in uh, flavor from a single malt versus a blended whiskey, because a blended whiskey is usually blended to be, it's blended to taste a certain way. So it's, 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 it's created to uh, be drinkable. I mean, that's the whole idea of a blended whiskey. Mm -hmm. Whereas a single malt will always be different and you can have like, you know, the same single malt can be different each time because the batch is different and the conditions of, upon which it's distilled is different. So that's quite interesting when you can have different uh, single malts that are, obviously it's the same single malt, but it's, uh, it's distilled at different times so yeah, that when you taste like it, it's quite different. But uh, yeah, so there's, you can, you can taste differences between um, uh, different types of whiskey, but uh, often it's hard uh, to pick up uh, a difference between, you know, certain single malts. It all depends on, on, on how they're finished and so on. And they'll always be different uh, anyway. So, so I get, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's all, throwing a whole lot of questions for me and I have to try and <laughs> keep on target with the questions. So. Single malt is uh, traditionally, I, I would associate single malt with, with, with um, scotch, with, with the, um, yep. and there are some Irish single malts that have become more popular. I think um, uh, Redbreast and, and um, uh, Bushmills do it, have done a single malt for quite a long time, haven't they? And there's a lot. Yeah, well, well traditionally, like in Scotland as well, it was all about the blends. I mean, like it was all about blending whiskey yeah. that could travel around, travel around the world and taste the same no matter where it was. Yeah. Single malt came into came into vogue in, in the late 80s, uh, okay. you know, kind of all part of the, uh, you know, greed is good, you know, and, and uh, you know, like it was all, all to do with, uh, you know, status and all that type of stuff when people wanted, wanted to drink single malt and moved yeah. away from blended whiskey. And now single malt is very much uh, in vogue and everybody comes in, they want to try single malt, but you can have some amazing blended whiskey on the bar and you can have some amazing single grain whiskey on the bar, but a lot of, there's a certain element that they only want to drink single malt. Um, not necessarily, it's not necessarily um, any better. Uh, you know, it's just that it's uh, it's definitely more popular at the moment. But I mean, with regards to Irish whiskey, I mean, the original style of Irish whiskey was pot still whiskey. You know, so yeah. I mean that, and that is unique to Irish whiskey. You know, uh, there are actually some um, Australian uh, distillers now, and there's one guy in in Tasmania who is working on an Irish style pot still whiskey. But uh, it it is a unique style to Ireland. You know, so and that would be our our kind of uh, difference, main main difference from uh, like a Scottish single malt. Mm -hmm. And so, again, uh, talking about that, like blended Scotch whiskies, I would think of like Johnny Walker or Bell's, and you know, a, a yeah. lot of the, the the more well known brands tend to be blended anyway. Is Irish like the main Irish brands like Jameson or um, Powers or Paddy and stuff like that? Is that like a, an Irish blended? Yeah, well, Jameson is a blended whiskey, but uh, Paris is a pot still whiskey. Okay. Uh, so that's a that's a bit different. Uh, uh, Bushmills Bushmills don't have uh, any. I don't think they have a pot still whiskey. They mainly have blends and single malts. Yeah. Uh, so all of the so yeah so of the newer distilleries that are coming out now, they tend to be releasing. Uh, blended whiskey and single malt whiskey, but a lot of the new distilleries now are bringing out their own pot steel whiskey. And uh, there's a big, there's a big uh, move now to have more and more uh, Irish pot steel whiskey uh, being, being, being distilled and, and coming onto the market. And a lot of, uh, a lot of the new Irish distillers as well are, are looking at uh, peated whiskies as well because um, okay. that's not something that you would uh, necessarily associate with Irish whiskey. Uh, so there's definitely a market there to explore. Uh, and then on that, then talking about the peated whiskey, like you, you mentioned uh, earlier on about uh, Scotch having that long finish, like my, and please forgive my ignorance on this one, my understanding in terms of um, the taste of whiskey that American kind of like bourbon tends to be very smooth. Um Irish whiskey is uh, a bit more complex. Scotch, that, particularly that single malt, has a very, I've already described as a complex flavor. It's, I certainly wouldn't like it as much because it's that peatiness can be a little bit overpowering at times. And 
you know, sometimes it just feels like you're chewing on a piece of turf. That's yeah. it's sort of psyched to me. And um, I mean, am I way off track there with that one? I guess some people were saying that American whiskey is smooth and it's less complex in many ways and, and maybe less um, talking, you know, going on to what yeah. you're talking about, that snobbery with it, maybe less sophisticated. Um, and yes, uh, my grandfather, being a, a, a big whiskey drinker, his favorite was Jack Daniels because he loved that smoothness. You know, for mm. some people, that is exactly what they want. Is Irish whiskey kind of somewhere between, like traditionally between those American and Scotch whiskeys in terms of its flavor? Uh, I think there's some amazing American whiskeys. That's quite interesting with American whiskeys because some American distillers will 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 spell their uh, whiskey with an EY, and some will spell with a Y. So. Uh, obviously traces them traces them back to their their origin but um uh yeah uh bourbons tend to be a bit sweeter but uh i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing either uh but yeah you can get some amazing uh amazing bourbons and a lot of um there's a lot of new distilleries in the states now releasing single malt which is a new thing for them over there so uh there's all sorts of uh, different variations um I mean, what pe- people people will always say, people do say that like Irish whiskey is smoother than Scottish whiskey because it's triple distilled. But uh, and then there's a uh, people say that you shouldn't use the word smooth because it's kind of too like it's too generic and it doesn't really mean anything. And uh, you know, a whiskey either you know you either enjoy the taste of it or you know or you don't or you prefer some whiskeys over another. But I mean. Um, I mean, you can you could describe all whiskeys as smooth, uh, depending on on your on what you're used to. Uh, so there's definitely more peated whiskey used in in in, uh, in in Scottish whiskey. So that does that does come true, and some whiskeys over there, especially their blended whiskeys, might only have five percent uh, peated barley uh, in the mix, but you can still taste it. Uh, whereas um, I think the big the big difference uh, originally used to be uh, that Irish whiskey was stilled in a in a in a pot still, so uh, there's only one outlet for the vapor, so it's a it's a purer uh, it's a purer um, distillation, and um, and then it's distilled three times, so you can't really get any any purer than that. Whereas in Scotland they use column still. So there's multiple outlets for the the vapor to come out. So uh, and they could be taking, they could be using uh, the vapor that comes out at the lower, uh, you know, the lower outlets is not as good as the stuff that comes out at the top, and it all gets mixed up, and some gets used, you know, in this whiskey, some gets used in, in that whiskey. So. The stuff that comes out at the bottom is not going to be as uh, this distillate is not going to be as good as what comes out of a a, a pot still in Ireland. So, the whiskey is going to potentially taste a bit rougher. Uh, so yeah, so I mean there are there are d- differences in, in in the way it's distilled, which will lend itself to how it how it you know the the finished result tastes. But um, yeah, I think it's very I think it's very hard now to um. To, to say a particular uh, whiskey from a particular country tastes a certain way. I think there's so much variety now, uh, like happening in Ireland, as well as what's happening in, in, in the States and what's happening over here in Australia. So uh, yeah, it's very hard to uh, pinpoint the characteristics of, let's say, you know, Irish whiskey versus, you know, American whiskey versus, you know, Scottish whiskey, which is often why we have a mixture of of whiskeys when we do a tasting. So, you are kind of you are kind of uh, allowing people to taste them side by side. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me then, is there an Irish equivalent of the keeper of the? Is it the keeper of the quake? Um, that they have in Scotch whiskey, who's like you know, I guess fulfilling a role similar to what you are right now, and you know, really a guardian of that knowledge. Uh, I don't know to be honest. <laughs> the problem there, I'm sure somebody will will uh, will ring in and let us know. But uh, no. yeah, no, I'm not I'm not 100 sure there. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, I, I used to work yeah. with a guy in Dublin, a Scotch guy, and and he became a, a keeper of the Quake. He grew up in the distilleries up in North Scotland. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's his job now. He's like a, a Scotch ambassador. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, there are there are there are a few uh, whiskey ambassadors. Or like, there's a different uh, courses you can do in Scotland. You know, to have mm-hmm. certain uh, qualifications with regards to, uh, you know, uh, teaching about whiskey or, or um, you know, conducting um, uh, whiskey tastings. I'm not sure whether that that it exists in Ireland as yet. Um, because up until a few years ago, we only had the two major distilleries, and now we have over four distilleries. So yeah, maybe maybe there's a new role up for grabs there. Yeah. yeah. And so like that that's the thing then. Historically speaking, like once upon a time, Irish whiskey was the preeminent whiskey in the world, really, wasn't it? And then yeah. because of the association with the British Empire, Scotch became um, yeah. the oh, we were the biggest selling whiskey in the world uh, globally in the late. 1880s but uh there was this like a, a series of events um uh, you know we had uh well you had uh the temperance movement which 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 sprang up uh you also had uh the war of independence and yeah. the um obviously separation from uh, uh the british empire which meant uh we kind of lost our ability uh to trade um with that market and also then we had prohibition and uh, so we lost access into the states uh, scottish whiskey was able to be kind of smuggled into the states via via canada and um uh and also um the like the grains and so on and the barley and everything uh because obviously we're just kind of like starting out on our own then in like the 1920s but prior to that a lot of that uh produce had to be was imported and uh those markets um were cut off and tariffs were increased and so on because we were a new uh newly independent uh uh state so a lot of all these factors kind of came to a head and kind of you know killed the, the industry yeah yeah so it's good to see what kind of we're on the comeback trail now oh yeah absolutely yeah. but uh i mean i mean and part of the reason why we're on the comeback trail is because of uh the kind of like the small bar movement what you might call it around the world you know especially in countries like america north america and uh, bars in brooklyn and new york um you know there's this renewed interest in making the old classic cocktails like your manhattans and your old fashions and and uh, these cocktails, which would have been popular around, you know, the turn of the century in in 1920s and so on. And um, all these bartenders want to use Irish whiskey because they used to use Irish whiskey back in the day. So there was a natural uh, uh, increase in in Irish whiskey sales on the back of 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 uh, of of these all these these bars opening. And um, and, you know, that's part of the reason why. Um, you know, and part of the reason why we exist as well as a small bar is that, you know, there is um, there's a desire out there for people, you know, and it still hasn't slowed down. People are still really interested in whiskey. They're interested in tasting it and drinking whiskey based cocktails and coming to whiskey events and so on. So um, and obviously, you know, there's a huge movement globally now, not just in 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 Ireland, but like in, in Australia as well. The amount of Australian distilleries that have popped up recently uh you know it's crazy so uh the whole uh whiskey whiskey scene is still uh still kicking along which is great mm. and so just just going on you just you mentioned there the small bar movement and, and specifically uh books and i, I want to go back to, to to that then again because it you it is a very unique kind of particularly as an irish bar it's it's very unique it's not like an irish pub in, in the sense that you see no, overseas no. it's very intimate very yeah we don't we yeah we don't perceive ourselves as a pub. We 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 yeah. do we do perceive ourselves as a bar, but we kind of we're we're, we're quite you know cozy and comfortable and and uh, so we have I suppose we have kind of like a bit of a pub vibe. But uh, we don't we don't have any live music. Uh, we don't have any TVs. We don't show any sports. Like we don't do trivia nights or anything like that. We're a lot. We're a small bar in Norcup, we're very much a locals bar. We're very much, uh, yeah, the people who live in the area. There's a small little expat community that come in. They're like Irish, English, Scottish. Um, you know, they tend to be a bit older. They've been here for a while. Uh, so, um, and people tell us all the time how much they enjoy the fact they could just come in for chat 
and uh, they don't, you know, you know, the music's not blaring and there's not sport on the TV or, uh, so, I mean, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what we're all about, really. Um, I mean, it's been great. We've been there for six years now and we feel like that we've, uh, we're well-established and well part of the local community. So it's, um, yeah, it's great. And so what, because you talked before about um, being involved in Irish, Irish bars and pubs and stuff like that before, and you have a background in hospitality, what prompted you to kind of to go for that unique vibe? Well, like, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, uh, I just wanted to, uh, I mean, like, the, I suppose the idea behind the bar was to kind of create a place that I would like to go to. Uh, you know, and then yeah. obviously hope that other people would like to go to as well. But really, it was, uh, you know, from from uh, a hospitality point of view, my, you know, over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, I've been working a lot with whiskey, and I really wanted to, I really wanted to develop that. From a personal point of view, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a compulsive reader. So I just kind of wanted to put my two kind of uh, favorite things together uh, into a bar environment and see what would happen. I had a feeling that this would be the type of place where I would like to go on my night off for, for a drink. Uh, you know, the idea of coming into a bar. Uh, I mean, like what I would do on my day off before, like, you know, books opened would be to go to a bookshop and to buy myself a new book and then go to a bar and have a pint and read my book so the idea was just to put those two things together uh, nice. and um yeah so um and there's a lot of cafes that are kind of like cafe bookshops and but there's no real bar bookshops so it felt like you know it could work as a concept and yeah so that's, that's that's kind of like the origin of 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 the venue. And so, how long have you been in Australia yourself, Eamon? Uh, since ninety five. Ninety five. So a long time. Uh, ten ten years in Sydney and uh, in Melbourne, the rest of the time. Okay. And uh, what yeah. brought you to Melbourne? Well, we were priced out of Sydney. <laughs> yeah. That's so uh, two, two young kids and uh, landlords kept selling because the property market was going crazy in Sydney. And it was like, well, we got to buy now or we're never going to get in. Couldn't afford Sydney. Wanted to kind of stay in a, in a city. And uh, we'd been to Melbourne for a holiday and liked it. So it was just a... It was a spur of the moment thing and uh, just really we were sick of having to move and changing schools with the kids yeah. so uh yeah we, we we jumped in and we um we, we yeah we bought a house down here in melbourne and it's probably the best thing we ever did really where are you living uh preston okay so not too yeah. far from yeah north so north pretty north. pretty close to the venue which is great yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so it's been a good move for you Oh, it's been the best move. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Great bringing the kids up in Melbourne and them going to school here and going to university here. Yeah, it was really good. And do you feel the sense of community is is different or the same as to back home? Sorry, by the way, where is home exactly for you? Uh, home's Dublin, north side, uh, off, off the Navin Road near the Phoenix Park, okay. kind of between Ashtown. the North Circular and, and Ashtown. Right. I think I'm kind of fortunate in being kind of a local bar owner i don't know what i should call myself yeah uh, people call me a publican i don't really feel like i'm a publican i'm just i think i'm the oldest bartender in high street but i don't really know what i am but um there is a there is a sense of community there because i know a lot of people i can't walk down the street without bumping into people and having a chat and you know so uh personally i think there's a great sense of community here i think Norcote, Tornbury, Preston, uh, this kind of area has been really good. Um, so I was just, I was home recently. I was home in October. So I was home uh, first two weeks in October and I loved it. It was great. And, but I got the same sense of community. You go down to the local pub and you meet people you know and you have a chat to the bartender. And, you know, so um, I'm not sure what other people's experiences are, but my, since we've opened the bar, I think. I've had a greater sense of community just because I, um, we're kind of part of the local community, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I guess that's the thing being a business owner there. You are certainly part of it. Um, yeah. But Eamon, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and talking. It's fascinating. We keep talking for hours and hours and hours, but we, we do have a, a time limit when we're doing the podcast, unfortunately. But look, I'd love to get you on again and, and um, hopefully we'll get a good response and um, I'll, I'll add more information on for the listeners as well and the people watching. Yep. Okay, great. No, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye. 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 Now, folks, so that was Eamon from Book Mulligans. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, so just to wrap up, I didn't realize how distracting those bleeding headphones were when I was recording before. I looked at her afterwards. Uh, fleshy, fleshy. Hard to listen to what I'm saying. Now, um, what was I going to say here? Right. So uh, I do have a donor box set up for the podcast. If you want to make a donation to support the podcast, you can do it. There's a, a QR code which I'll put up on the Facebook page. I'll put up on the podcast links wherever it shows up whether it be uh, spotify itunes um anchor and anywhere else that it shows up uh, there'll also be a link if you want to do that um so as i say at the moment i have to work full time to look after the kids i don't have as much time as i want to dedicate to this uh, to do it properly and um, i'd love to have the time to do it more at some stage and um at the moment the real input I want, the real support I want is for people to get involved in the podcast. Um, if you want to volunteer some time to help find guests to chat on the podcast. So I do have a few people coming up. Uh, Mick McHugh, an Irish musician from up in the Northern Rivers um, near Byron Bay, has said he'll come on the podcast to talk about um, himself and his music and uh, the gigs and stuff he plays up in that area. Uh, so it'd be great to have a chat to Mick uh, Barbara from uh, The Wee Kitchen says she'll come on and have a chat. Really, I want people to tell stories um, about you know their life in Australia, what brought them to Australia, how they got established in Australia. Uh, we also have Helena from uh, Visa Shop who will be coming on uh, later this month. And she'll be talking about uh, different kinds of visas for people. So that'll be a great one to, to talk about, you know, how you can get your permanent residency, how you can apply for different uh, sponsorships or apply for different skill visas and things like that. Um, Helena will be great help on that front. Also, I want to um, ideally talk to people from different places, like people from Western Australia, from South Australia, from New South Wales, Queensland, um, particularly from the organisations there. So we, we have here, we have uh, the Irish Australian Support and Resource Bureau, we have the Celtic Club, we have Gaelic Park, we have Kyotis, we have some other organisations that are designed to support the Irish community, and each state then has similar organisations like that and i want to talk to people in those organizations to uh put out there how how do you come to australia what what do you want to look out for if you're coming from ireland you know like uh, i remember listening to one podcast and and she was saying that you know you wear uh come over here with, with packing lightly you know very light clothes because uh, you wouldn't want to be wearing jo jackets or coats or anything like that and i'm like australia is the size of a continent now if you show up in melbourne in july wearing shorts and a singlet you'll be in for a rude awakening. So I <laughs> want to talk about what are the different experiences you're going to have in different parts of Australia. What you're going to experience in Brisbane is going to be very different from what you're going to experience in Melbourne or in Tasmania. You know, so pack accordingly. If you're planning on traveling around, make sure you're not planning on just visiting Summer Bay and just have your, your budgie smugglers and your shorts and your singlet, you know. If you're coming to Melbourne, you're going down to Tassie, make sure you have some warm clothes if you're going to be here in winter because it gets cold. Yeah, so things, things like that, basic things, you know, how to set up bank accounts, how to uh, get your uh, tax file number, as, it call, as we call it here. You know, the equivalent of your, um, your RSI number. How do you get that sorted out? Those things. Can you do them online beforehand? Um, you know, one thing I'd recommend, get an ING account. You know, you can sort that out and just get a card. You don't actually have a bank account. Then you don't have to have, um, you know, fees when you use the ATMs. Because the ATM fees, when you come from Ireland, you don't expect them to be as high as they are. Like, you pay a few dollars per transaction. It's, like, quite shocking, actually, how much you can pay for a transaction, just for a transaction. So, you know, having an account like ING where they, you don't pay for those things can actually be helpful so that's the kind of information i want to get out to people yeah um, and also for families you know things to do any advice you have on things to do you know little hacks and stuff like that where to go uh, for example we were in sydney there over christmas we uh, discovered the um what's it called the the national maritime museum 
And that was $25 for an adult and $15 for a kid. And that was the best value of all, you know, because Sydney's expensive. Like little things like, you know, there was mini golf there that cost like $40 for an adult and $30 for a kid. You could spend the whole day in the Maritime Museum for a fraction of that. And, you know, you get to go on the destroyer and the, this, you get to go in an actual submarine. You know, you get to go on a recreation of, of Captain Cook's Endeavour ship and all sorts of amazing things like that. And there's all these cool interactive exhibits and stuff. So little things like that, I'd recommend that. Yeah, you know, $25 for an adult and 15 for a kid. Or there's a family ticket, which is 70 quid for a family. Like, it's amazing value. Uh, little things like that want to share out there get that kind of information out to people so the podcast really is trying to support everybody and bring people together and with bringing people together uh one of the great things of course is the facebook pages that we have out there there's um you know irish around melbourne irish families in melbourne irish families in the western suburbs of melbourne there's um you know, uh, Stephen, who set up the Irish Around Melbourne page, has set them up for all over Irish Around Sydney and Irish Around Queensland and Irish Around Brisbane, Irish Around Australia. And they're great resources for finding jobs, for finding somewhere to stay. People are always advertising jobs and uh, looking for accommodation and things like that. Uh, so those websites are great resources. So uh, I recommend getting on there. Hopefully, maybe we get Stephen on here to, at some stage to have a chat about uh, the websites as well and, and the supports out there. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Um Mixed Down Under is on Facebook as well. I don't think we have a website yet. <laughs> you would think I would know that. But no, I haven't set one up yet. So just using Facebook, Mixed Down Under. You can email me, mixdownunder at gmail.com. As I say, I'll have the donor box link and the QR code up there. If you decide you want to make a wee donation to help and support the podcast. Uh, podcast is free no matter what. Um, but any support to help pay for subscriptions and things like that. Because we have to pay for hosting and all those sorts of things would be much appreciated and as i say the most support i'd be grateful for is people who just want to participate in the podcast even participating on in the the back end and you know doing a little bit of the admin or, or helping to find guests and, and that sort of stuff i'd be very grateful for so thanks very much good uh